0: The reading this evening is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. If you'd like to follow in the Church Bibles, you can find it on page 1028, Luke 2, 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good evening, and uh, thank you to Mandy for that reading. Uh, In a moment, we're going to take a few moments to uh, look at some of the uh, things that that particular passage tells us about and see what we can learn from it. Uh, Before we get to that, we'll have a short prayer. But just before we have that short prayer, I'd like to share a poem with you. Uh, We don't have a lot of poetry in St. John's, I've noticed, Uh, Well, we do, actually. We have quite a lot of poetry, but mostly we put tunes to it, and we call them songs. Um, But um, we we don't have too many um, spoken poems. Let me just give myself a little bit more room here, if I may. Good. Um, And uh, I was drawn to share this poem with you because um, when it was shared with me, it struck me that it contains a challenge. Um, that comes in the poem itself, in the last couple of lines of the, of the poem. Um, but as the more I thought about it, um, there's an implied challenge in the very existence of the poem itself. Some of you may know that um, a couple of times a month I'm on the, uh, uh, I'm a volunteer helper with the chaplaincy team at Belmarsh Prison. I go in a couple of times a month and it was Uh, over the last year, 18 months or so, that I've been going into Belmarsh Prison, that I've got to know Andy. It's not his real name. It doesn't matter what his real name is. Um, It's probably not a good thing to uh, uh, talk too much detail about some of the inmates in there. So I'm going to call him Andy. And Andy and I, in various discussions we've had over the last year or so, have discovered that we're both occasional poets, In that uh, he's asked me occasionally about something I've written, and I've asked him occasionally about something he's written. Now, Andy attends our Bible studies and our worship sessions and our discussion group on a Thursday morning on a regular basis, and uh, he knows the Lord, and he uh, will often be the one when uh, the leader, the chaplain, says we need somebody to pray at the beginning of the meeting. It will often be Andy who's on his feet and will lead us in prayer. And yet, here he is, a middle-aged man, at fairly near the beginning of 30 years without parole. Doesn't matter what he's done, but you can gather that you don't get 30 years without parole for parking on yellow lines. Um, He's done something pretty serious. And the thought that struck me as I was looking at the piece that he shared with me was... Is he the kind of person who we want to lock up and we want to throw away the key and we want to forget about because of what he's done? Or do we actually believe that such people can change? And if our natural answer is to think, well, maybe people like that can't change and you'll have been aware that... The length of sentences and how soon people are let out has been a topic for discussion in the media and in our politics just recently. But if somebody like that cannot change, on what basis do I think that I can change? On what basis do you think that you can change? It goes like this. It's only the Almighty, I fear, upon this earth... It's only the Almighty I worship and I serve. It's only the Almighty that fills my lungs with breath. It's only the Almighty between my life and death. It's only the Almighty all-seeing and all-knowing. It's only the Almighty knows all comings and all goings. It's only the Almighty beyond all time and tide. Should we follow the Almighty? Only you can decide. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we come together around your word this evening. We pray that you will speak to us through it by your Holy Spirit. Change us into the people of faith you want us to be. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: 10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running, liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour, liftoff on Apollo 11, tower cleared.
1: Thank you, Lucia. Well, you've got the sound, if not the pictures, all the time. How would you complete the sentence, I wish I had been there when... I wish I had been there when... That was one of mine. I wish I had been there when the Americans went to the moon. I've been asking a number of people... Um, I'm just looking around the congregation to see how many of them might be here. Um, Not all of them are here. Matt. Matt is uh, not one of the regular church mats. Matt is my eldest son. And uh, I asked him the question. This was on a family WhatsApp discussion. Um, I wish I had seen the space shuttle launch, he said. Like father, like son. There we are. We had loads of opportunities, but we never took them. There we are. Kerry, our daughter. I'm disappointed I didn't get to see Michael Jackson. He died three weeks before the concert we had tickets for. The first of several musical themed I wishes. Rebecca, granddaughter. Uh, I wish I had seen JLS on tour. It would have been really nice if she'd left it there. Actually, she said, I wish I had seen JLS on tour, but my parents didn't buy me the tickets. That provoked a sharp response from her mother, who said, I would have liked to have been at Live Aid, tried to get the tickets but failed. I also wish I'd been at the Lincoln Memorial when Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. Jean said, I would have liked to know Mozart. Rocky, I would have liked to watch the building of St Paul's Cathedral. Benny, I'd have liked to have been there when Johnny Wilkinson did the drop goal that won the Rugby World Cup for England. Yes, so would I. Some of the answers to my questions were inevitably more poignant than that. Anna-Marie I wish I'd been there when my mother died. All the rest of the family were there. Helen, I wish I'd known my paternal grandparents who went to live abroad. Several of those who I asked inevitably seemed to say that the obvious answer was something about Jesus. Susan, I would have liked to have been the midwife when Jesus was born. Is Jesus, though, the obvious answer to the question, I would have liked to have been there when? Would meeting Jesus have really solved anything for us? I wonder what exactly out of the life of Jesus we would have liked to have witnessed. Are we some of those who think, well, it's all right for the disciples. They were there. They heard what Jesus had to say. They heard everything that that Jesus explained. They saw what Jesus did, all the miracles and things. And all I have, all I have is my Bible stories. Well, it's just after Christmas. For us here now, it's just after Christmas. But In the Bible story that we've had read to us, it is also just after Christmas. The family have been to Bethlehem. Uh, They've been put up in the stable. The baby has been born. Uh, The shepherds have come and the shepherds have gone. But now, now there are things to be done, things that have to be done. Verse 21, if you've got your Bible open in front of you and you want to follow it. Verse 21, on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child. Jesus, as you know, is Jewish and therefore he has to be circumcised. If you go back to Genesis chapter 17, you'll find God laying down the rule that to be part of the covenant people of God to be a child of the covenant the males have to be circumcised it's the sign of their covenant relationship with God there are actually good reasons good medical reasons for circumcision there are even good medical reasons for doing circumcision on the eighth day We haven't got time to go into them tonight, but they're there. But you all know what's involved. So please let's not have any nonsense about little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. On the eighth day, it was time to circumcise the child. And, 21 goes on, he was named Jesus. The child has to be named and it's done at the same time. He is named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. His parents have been told what they are to call him. They are to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's what the word Jesus means. And so Mary and Joseph are obedient to what they have been told. They name him Jesus. Going on, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Well, a couple of things here. First of all, Mary must be purified. Again, if we go back to the Old Testament law of Leviticus 12, if you want to look it up, we discover that a woman is deemed to be unclean, ceremonially unclean, following the birth of a child, and following the birth of a male child, she is ceremonially unclean for 40 days. So we've had the birth of Jesus, the shepherds arriving or whatever, we've moved on eight days to when his birth, his uh, circumcision took place, and we're now 40 days, the baby is 40 days old, and Mary must go through the uh, purification process following the birth of a child. And so Verse 22, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That's the second thing they must do. She must be purified, he must be presented to the Lord, because, verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So Jesus, who is the firstborn male, is dedicated to the Lord as a a kind of an offering. And in order to do these things, to dedicate Jesus to the Lord as a firstborn male and to purify Mary, there has to be a sacrifice. And that's why they have to go to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is the place where sacrifices are, are undertaken. And they bring their sacrifice, they have a choice. They have a choice, according to Leviticus 12, of a lamb, a one-year-old lamb, and a pigeon, or, if they can't afford a lamb, two pigeons. And verse 24 tells us that to offer, they come to the temple to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So we know that the family are not wealthy. So in just these two verses we see here that Mary and Joseph are devout people. They are people who are committed to the law of the Lord. They know the law as it has been handed down to us and they choose to obey it and to keep the covenant. We've already been told in Luke chapter 1 that Mary is favoured by God. The Lord is with her but that she is obedient because when she has revealed to her that she is going to have a baby by the holy spirit she is obedient to that call and says may it be done to me as you have described it we know that joseph is a righteous man matthew chapter 1 verse 19 he's a righteous man and therefore he initially wants a divorce from mary because uh, he realizes that she's pregnant and he realizes it's not his so He wants a divorce, but when the angel comes to him and tells him that it's by the Holy Spirit, he again is obedient, and he gets married to Mary. So here we have two people who know the law that God has given. They obey the law as far as the circumcision, the purification, the dedication, and the giving of sacrifices is concerned. To devout, Bible believing, or, or law understanding, and obedient people. And when they come to the temple, they meet two other people. First, they meet Simeon. Simeon is a man, but we're told that he is a righteous man, that is, morally upright striving his best to live a good life and we're told that he is also a devout man we've already used that word in connection with uh, Mary and Joseph that is he is a man who is totally committed to following God as best he can and we also discover that Simeon is a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit he has God's Spirit dwelling in him we haven't had anything about the Spirit for 400 years, as far as we know, since the end of the Old Testament. We're going to get into the New Testament and we discover that the disciples are filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, that John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, but there are other people who are filled with the Spirit as well, and Simon is one of them. And in this position of being... A righteous man, a devout man, who's filled with the Spirit, Simeon is looking for the consolation of Israel, looking for the restoration of Israel. Again, if we go back to the Old Testament, we find more than 20 examples of places where God says that the land of Israel will belong to Israel forever. There are verses, Isaiah 11, Jeremiah 23, that talk about God gathering the people together again from across the nations and bringing them back to the land to recreate the nation that he originally intended. And so Simeon here is a man who knows what God has promised. He knows about God wanting to comfort his people. Isaiah chapter 40. And Presumably he knows about a voice of one crying in the wilderness, bringing that comfort to his people. What he probably doesn't know is that the baby, the man who will be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, is currently a seven-month-old baby. But the land that Israel is in, and where the people currently are, is now occupied by Rome. It's an occupied land, it's not a free land. And so it is even 30 years later that the disciples say in Acts chapter 1, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It still hasn't happened as a piece of government. But Simeon also not only knows about the land and God's promises, but he anticipates the coming of the Messiah. Somehow, we're not told how, Simeon has been told that he will not die until he has seen the Messiah. And as he comes into the temple on this 40th day of Jesus' life, he recognises Jesus as the one. We're not told exactly how that happens, but he does. And he describes this little baby as the Lord's salvation Perhaps partly because of the name he is given. But also that he will be a light to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people Israel. That covers everybody. If we're not Jews here this evening then we're Gentiles. And Jesus comes to be a light to us as much as to those who are the people of Israel themselves. All people is for whom this Messiah has come. And he recognises that this child will cause the falling and rising of many. This child will be a source of some kind of division between those who rise, those who fall, whatever that means. Perhaps those who know God and those who don't know God. Those who follow God and those who choose to rebel against him. He will in fact be a sign. And through him, the thoughts of many people will be revealed. Do you know, Jesus still does that. Jesus still reveals the thoughts of many people in the way that we respond to him or don't respond to him. And lastly, Simeon says to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is not going to be an easy ride for Mary. And almost immediately following his encounter with Simeon, Jesus is introduced to Anna. Anna is a woman and a prophet, we are told. Again, we haven't had prophets for hundreds of years. Uh, John the Baptist will come as a prophet but it seems this woman is a prophet. We're not told how, we're not told what she prophesied, but she seems to be one who has spoken God's word. And she's very old, 84 perhaps. And yet, here she is, in many ways a second class citizen in her own society as a woman, and an old woman at that. And yet, we're told that she is still a worshiper, still fasting. Still praying, still thankful, still part of an expectant community, still telling the good news to other people when she has the opportunity. So, we have met four people. We've met Joseph, Mary, Simeon, and Anna for people who aim to live righteous lives, who are devout, they're dedicated to God, people whose principal, if not only source of information, is God's word as they have it. They know what God has already said in the past and they believe it and they trust it and that is is faith. They have always tried to live righteously, devoutly, obediently. Some of them have had some specific revelation recently in the terms of angels or the Holy Spirit speaking to them, but that's because they are people who are already seeking to be righteous, devout and obedient. I wonder what they would say, what these four people would say in answer to the question, I wish I could have been there when... Mary, of course, would get to see it all. She was there for the announcement by the angel. She was there at the birth. She watched him grow and develop. She saw his life. She heard much of his preaching, saw some of his miracles, was aware at any rate of his arrest... She was there at the cross when he died. She was there soon after the resurrection and the ascension. But in amongst all of that, a sword pierced her own heart too. As you read the scriptures, it's interesting to pick out the struggles that Mary had, the doubts she had about him, thinking he was out of his mind and trying to take him into custody. You see... There we go. You see, perhaps being there, perhaps seeing it all happen, isn't always a solution to our faith issues. Joseph would have seen some of Jesus growing up. We don't know quite how much. By the time we get into the main gospel story, he seems to disappear. Perhaps he died earlier. Simeon. And Anna, on the other hand, met Jesus, as far as we know, on one day only. And on that day, he's a baby. He says nothing. He does nothing. They would never see the fulfillment of what they saw, what they believed in, as he lay there in his mother's arms. And yet, they lived in the light that they had received. They lived in the light of God's word as they knew it and they understood it. They were part of a worshiping community. They fellowshiped with like-minded believers. Which brings us to you and me. Do we wish we had been there when when what? When the 5000 were fed? When Lazarus was raised from the dead? when the leper was healed, when the Sermon on the Mount was preached. I would have quite liked to have been there on the Emmaus Road. But we never will be. We never can be. And yet, we still have God's word to us. We can be, perhaps we are, part of a worshipping community. We can have fellowship with one another, encourage one another, be encouraged by others, support, love one another, be encouraged and loved ourselves, be with like minded believers. I started with a challenge in a little poem, and perhaps there's a challenge here for us as we come into a new year. Are we going to be people who choose? With the help of the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, to live righteously, to be devout, committed, to be obedient. As Andy asked us, should we follow the Almighty? Only you and I can decide. Amen.